welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Hi, I'm Eric J., and this is the, um, it says on one sheet here, Internet Issues. So uh, if you're in a different meeting, let somebody know and they can direct you down the hallway. Um, I'll read uh, from the essay pamphlet, Why Stop Lusting? From personal experience, we know lust is cunning, baffling, powerful, and patient. In the day-to-day grind, we wonder how might we win against such a foe that never sleeps and never quits. In the past, when lust came knocking, we always opened the door. It was as if we had no other option. But today in recovery, we do have a choice. There are many tools that we can use to keep the door closed to lust. Here are a few. Honesty. For so long, we were afraid to tell anyone what was really going on in our hearts, in our heads. By keeping it a secret, we allowed our addictive thinking to grow and spread. By sharing our thoughts and actions with others in SA, we discovered that much of the power of lust was removed. Therefore, members of SA are encouraged to share honestly both in and out of meetings. Avoiding triggers. Many things can trigger lust. Movies, magazines, swimming pools, the Internet, even some things in the morning newspaper. Certainly, there are endless opportunities to lust. By examining our personal lives clearly and honestly, we can identify the thoughts, persons, places, and things that regularly cause us the most trouble. Having identified them, we now make decisions to avoid them, thus reducing our temptation to lust. Prayer. We use prayers of all kinds to drive lust away. One quick prayer is, God, help me. Many of us ask God to bless the person we are wanting to lust after. We ask God to provide that person with all the good things we desire for our own lives. By doing so, we stop making that person a lust object, but rather a child of God. Another simple prayer requests, God, whatever I'm looking for in that person, may I find in you. Sponsorship. A sponsor is more experienced recovering person who guides us through the 12 steps of recovery. Ideally, a sponsor is working the steps, going to meetings, and has a sponsor himself or herself. A sponsor can use help us use the steps to surrender the obsession with lust in order to live a balanced and joyful life. How do we know these tools work? The experience of thousands of recovering sexaholics indicates it is working in their lives one day at a time. How do we know these tools work? The ex- oh, they repeated that. Okay, sorry about that. I could read it again. How do we know these tools work? The experience of thousands of recovering sexaholics indicates it is working in their lives one day at a time. All right. Um, I was following one 
set of things. Sorry, I just got in this morning and uh, looked at the uh, the opening here, and uh, I think we're supposed to really begin the meeting with the serenity prayer. So let's let's all see that together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done today. All right. Well, welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. This is a closed meeting. Only conference attendees registered as sexaholics may attend this meeting. This is a topic meeting. I'll introduce a topic, and then there will be a time allotted for sharing on the topic. SA's anonymous program. Many of us carry cell phones and mobile computers capable of audio and visual recording. To maximize our commitment to anonymity, we cannot allow the use of these devices for recording of anything inside this conference. This is a recording meeting, and the recorder cannot be turned off. If you choose to share, you must speak clearly and directly into the microphone. By choosing to speak, you give consent to All-Star Media to record your share. You may choose to introduce yourself by another name if you desire. All-Star Media is an outside vendor carefully selected by the Unity Conference Planning Committee. By the terms of our contract, All-Star Media may sell and distribute these audio recordings to registered conference attendees on-site this weekend only. So for the next... uh, Five minutes, I will share my experience, strength, and hope as it relates to the topic, and then I'll have you share for another couple minutes. And this is Juan Pablo. So, can you use your name? Sorry about that. Sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Came into the program in about 2003. I was uh, went down to my, my mother's house to... Uh, Feeder cat, which I legitimately was there to do, but then once I got there, I was on the internet for about four to five hours. So it happened to be uh, Valentine's Day, and I was supposed to be at home with my wife celebrating Valentine's Day. So I came to my senses, went up the freeway, got home, confessed to my wife, and then said, I need to get help. And she said, you need help. She contacted a friend who directed me to... Um, a church that had recovery meetings, and I came came to SA at that time. Got two or three years of recovery, had a sponsor, was working up through steps four and five, and then I decided "Ah, I don't need this anymore, and uh, I left the program. And I was out on my own for two or three years, went went to try other uh, meetings, other kind of uh, things that I thought would help me. And I used to think, well, besides uh, all these other people I've seen in this program, I'm pretty quiet. There's Other than the sex addiction, it's really not bugging anybody, and it doesn't really bug me, and it doesn't really affect anything. But after two or three years, um, I noticed I'd get really angry. I'd roll my eyes at my spouse. I'd... Uh, it just started, I, I said, you know what, it's nice, a guy as I am and everything, I'm getting to be really a mean person. And so I came back to SA and uh, started working the program again, and I have a sponsor, been sober about two or three years, and um, um, that brings me up to the present. So go to a couple meetings a week now and uh uh, read the big book regularly and the white book regularly. 
So that kind of brings me up to the present. Um, so yeah, my experience, that's my experience. My strength is in, um, my sponsor, the steps, working the steps, uh, especially, uh, reworking step four many, many times and step 10. Um, uh, and my hope is that as I continue to work the steps and, uh, continue to be present and in the moment, uh, and call my sponsor and others in the program that I can stay sober. So, uh, Juan, did you have any, uh, thing you wanted to share? Actually, you kind of caught me by surprise on the sharing. I, uh, I don't know what to say at the moment. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, uh, I told my sponsor, oh, I volunteered to be of service for this meeting. And he says, well, uh, you know, don't go in there with any kind of script or anything. Just kind of, you know. <laughs> so for I should be down the hall really at the perfectionist meeting <laughs> because uh, I'd really rather, you know, I should have written this all out on index cards so I would have known what the heck I was doing. So I can understand where you're going with that. Um, let me do this for a second. This is on... Uh, Read something else that wasn't in the, the readings here that has helped me to um, think about this topic. This is uh, out of the white book, page 42. It says, lust is not sex and is not physical. It seems to be a screen, a self-indulgent fantasy separating me from reality, either the reality of my own person in sex with myself or the reality of my spouse. It works the same whether with a girlfriend, a prostitute, or my wife. It thus negates identity, either mine or the other person's, and is anti-real, working against my own reality, working against me. The nature of the lust noise interference I superimpose over sex can be many things, memories, fantasies ranging from the erotic to revenge, or even violence. Or it can be a mental image of a single fetish or of some other person. Seen in this light, Lust can exist apart from sex. Indeed, there are those who say they are obsessed with lust who can no longer have sex. I see my lust as a force that apparently infuses and distorts my other instincts as well, eating, drinking, working, anger. I know I have a lust to resent. It seems as strong as sexual lust ever was. So I related to this uh, part where it says, lust is not sex, it is not physical, it seems to be a screen. And when I read screen, I thought, oh, that's not appropriate. I mean, I, I've spent practically 24 hours some days looking at a screen, uh, a computer. And for me, as opposed to other um, parts of this addiction, uh, Internet porn has been pretty much 90 8% of my acting out, I would say, prior to acting out. And the other oh, wait, book. The other part I wanted to read was out of the big book on page uh, 36, where he talks about, uh, I had eaten there many times during the months I was sober. I sat down at a table and ordered a sandwich and a glass of milk. Still, no thought of drinking. I ordered another sandwich and decided to have another glass of milk. Suddenly the thought crossed my mind. 
that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey and milk in my milk, it wouldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. So to me, that part, when I read that, we often talk about uh, in the program about the insanity, uh, what happens before the first drink and where this uh, passage talks about that. And I was looking at it going, you know what? Suddenly the thought. That is the trigger for me. Suddenly the thought. And that's uh, saved me a, not 100% of the time, but it'll pass into my head suddenly the thought when I'm starting to go in the direction of wanting to act out on a computer predominantly. And then I'll, I'll say suddenly the phone. So I pick up the phone right away and start calling people because once that, I mean, I'm gone. Right after that thought, it's, it doesn't really matter after that. So suddenly the thought is the key element for me that if I start going in my head, it's going to, it's going to erupt and go outside of me and, and go into active, uh, lusting on the, on the, on the, uh, internet. A few other things, uh, we're going to open up for sharing in a little bit. Um, Share your experience, strength, and hope, things that have worked for you, things that haven't worked for you, thoughts that you have, anything like that. None of us are experts. I'm no expert. No way. So, But a few other things that have worked. Like I said, I, I came into the program in 2003, and back then there was, I don't think anyway, so I didn't really check, but there wasn't any wireless really. But so you to connect, you had to have a, an Ethernet uh, wire. So I... The router was across the room, and it had this long Ethernet wire. And so finally, I'm like, I need to stop this. So I put super glue in the Ethernet connectors. <laughs> and they're still there. I have this really old computer, and it's XP, and nobody wants to work on it anymore. So anyway, you know, it's one of those deals. Um, also, I have a – I don't have – I know this is – I need to – oh, I left it somewhere. It's here. There it is. I have this ancient technology here. I don't have a big, nice thing with, I don't know what apps are. When you talk about apps, I thought you meant an app, a nap, I mean, you know, taking a nap. You know, so I have this. It's sort of, there's things you can do that I've done that just help stop that easy access, basically, is what I'm talking about. Um, so, but now there's wireless, so. That kind of doesn't work anymore, but other people have used things uh, that you you can share about things that have worked, like the different kind of programs that kind of are uh, accountable to other people. Um, encourage you to, to talk about stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's the program, you know, having a sponsor, having people on the phone that you can call, that has really helped me out. So, um. So this um, meeting's now uh, open for sharing. We ask that sharing be pertinent to the topic. No crosstalk, please. If someone feels another member is getting too explicit, they may so signify by quietly raising their hand. And please inter- introduce yourself before sharing. So what you'll need to do is uh, come up to a uh, chair up here and um, 
I'll just hand this uh, microphone over to you and uh, if you'd like to share. Hi, I'm Sammy, grateful member of this program. And so one of the things that challenged me for a long time was I didn't understand why I was constantly pulled out. Why, why was I constantly being triggered? Because I remember the friend in program had shared an image of like the compulsion is like a slime. You close one door and the slime then goes into another door. So I said, oh, okay. So I kept being pulled out no matter what I tried, uh, no matter what tool I used in program, I kept feeling this, the pull would come, the trigger would come, this energy would start to move. What am I going to do with it? I kept channeling it into different tools, but still it kept coming. So finally I realized I have to do something with learning about this energy and how it functions and why it, no matter what wonderful tool I use, it keeps coming. So another image that I learned, which really helps me, is that it's very physiologically based. It's like a pot on the stove. You fill up, if you want to boil water, you fill a pot with water, put the lid on, turn the heat up, it boils. It's the same thing that happens in us humans. This is a closed container, the body. We're 95% water. The heat is stress. So stress was clearly the trigger for me that was blowing my lid all the time. Okay, so I had to learn two things. I had to learn what to do specifically with this energy because I'd never had any education. None of us have had any education about it. We're not taught about what to do with it in school, except hide it, throw it under the rug, suppress it, and only use it in marriage. That's what we're taught. That's what I was taught. So I had to, first of all, start learning through conscious contact with higher power, you know, uh, the working of the 12 steps all the time, recognizing that as soon as the trigger came, I was at step one powerless connect with higher power. So I would automatically then connect the energy to higher power and how that was functioning for me, surrendering that there. I was practicing the steps in every situation. And through breathing, through making conscious contact with that energy, which was already united with higher power in my body, I began learning how to circulate it so that I could use it for creativity, for my work, for connections, friendly connections with other people, uh, and also, of course, using the rest of the tools of the program, journaling and um, talking with people, service, talking with sponsors, etc. So learning about the energy instead of being afraid of it, number one, this really helped me, number two, the constant practice of the 12 steps, in the situation, 
really help me. And remembering that this is physiologically based. This is a natural, normal, normal, organic process that's occurring. It doesn't do any good to slam the door shut on it because it's the, it's the life force energy that's I'm speaking with right now. It's the same energy is what I've been learning. And so, therefore, I can learn how to understand it, give it to my higher power for direction and guidance, and move forward with it actively. And truly, this is the foundation of my sobriety and my recovery. So, thank you for letting me share. My name is Robin. I'm a sexaholic. I've uh, been in the program uh, a long time, number of years, 25 years maybe. I'm still not sober. Um, <clears throat> but I, I can identify with what has been shared so far. Um, uh, I'm under a lot of stress in my life. Um, I have a wife who's very ill, and um, I'm her. I have to take care of her all the time. Um, and while I do a pretty good job about that, um, um, I do feel the stress. Um, and uh, one of the ways I've been dealing with the stress is um, images will come to my mind, and I'll. Um, and one of the things I have not been doing uh, well recently is I have not been making that phone call. And I haven't been letting my sponsor or someone in the program know that I've been having an image. And um, so then I will just begin to look on my phone at, at uh, porn and um, I will act out or even just looking at the porn is acting out. You know, let's face it, um, for me it is. Um, and, um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now in my, in my program of, uh, of, uh, lack of sobriety. And, um, so, um, it's a real struggle for me. Um, and, um, a lot of, there's a, I do a lot of things well because of the program, um, I'm not a particularly, uh, a lot of, uh, I'm not a particularly resentful or angry person anymore. I have good relationships with people that I work with. I'm not even resentful or angry towards my wife's illness. It, it, it just is what it is. I don't, uh, and I deal okay with that. But it, there is a lot of stress in my life and that, and um, so the way that I've been relieving that stress inappropriately is by having images that I then act out on. Um, so um, talked to my sponsor this week weekend, and I've made a commitment to uh, increase my communication with him and with others in the program because I I do regular sobriety renewals. I call a lot of people on a regular basis. I go to three meetings a week. It's not that I'm not doing things, but it's just that I'm not dealing with this one issue of this regular stress in my life that um, that I am trying to resolve um, um, inappropriately. So that's my story, and um, I'm glad I'm here to share it. 
Thank you very much. Thanks, Robin. My name is Bob. I'm a sexaholic. Um, the thing that uh, I've been trying to um, get in touch with is that in my use of the internet um, and uh, pornography, I have that's been my drug of choice. And uh, as a drug, I'm using it to cover up something. I'm using it to cope uh, with my life and. Uh, as uh, just like a drug, it numbs you and it causes you not to feel things. That I believe is is what the internet does for me. But I never really looked at it that way until I got into program that I I was um, trying to uh, uh, cover something up. So so here I have this screen, which is a total artificial reality, and there is a real reality that's going on in my life that I don't want to face, and so. As long as I'm going to that screen, I'm just not really facing what what's really going on in my life. And so what I'm realizing is that, uh, and, and this has been kind of an effect of sobriety, is that I start to feel more things that I didn't recognize before. But I don't know how to handle that. And so sometimes I find that's a... The, the, I get this impulse, like you're talking about this impulse, and I start going back to it. And, but again, I'm not even realizing that I'm escaping this reality. I'm, I'm running away from that. So this whole uh, process of of um, sobriety and recovery for me is it's about learning how to to accept a real feeling, but handle it the right way. And I'm thinking that I'm not real good at my phone calls. Uh, but I'm thinking that one of the things that I need to do when I make a phone call is to talk about how, what am I feeling right now and, and just get, get it out, get some feedback from another, another real person and, and try to, uh, get myself focused into a real, to, to reality. And especially with my spouse. And, uh, and I know that on her side, she longs to really know the real me, what's inside of me, what's going on. And she says, I don't talk to her about what's going on inside of me. And it's, I don't know the language, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm illiterate in that. So, um, so, uh, I don't have anything much to say about how to control the internet, but I just know that the internet is, it's an escape from reality. It's a, it's, it's artificial and, and, and as such, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, you know how you talk, you hear about alcoholics that get to the point where they just, they're just disgusted with alcohol. They don't, you know, just the thought of drinking, it revulses them if they, if they really get to a point of recovery. You know, I'm, I want to get to that point in my recovery that just the thought of going to something artificial to deal with my, what I'm really feeling is just going to be repulsive to me. And, uh, you know, I think when I get there, I, I know that I'm really, on the road to recovery. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Bob. Brian Sexaholic. Brian. Um, yeah, hearing some of the other shares is very helpful because it reminds me of how the Internet for me, I don't even know. I look back and try and figure out 
When did the internet happen? When did my, when did my use of media change from magazines and CDs to the internet? I don't even remember, but I just know that I got sucked in. And in working the program and working things that I'm, I'm learning is that I'm having to recognize the triggers and the trigger sometimes can just be my wife leaving out that front door. And um, I was debating whether to come to this one or the one on meditation because what I've, what has happened, what has helped for me is meditation. And I didn't realize the power of meditation um, to sit there and to feel is, was very, very foreign and, and, and still is in many ways to me. But if I can wake up in the morning and I don't have to be in a yoga position or anything like that, but I can just be laying in my bed and going, okay, checking in with myself, what am I feeling? And the first few times I did that, it's it was scary. It was like, yeah, I'm feeling something, and I don't want to feel this, so let me just go back to numbness because I'm so used to not feeling. And... um so I think that's what I, that, that's helped me a lot is to learn about meditation and learn about what I'm feeling and then recognizing, okay, sometimes there's an external trigger, but sometimes a trigger is just simply my wife walking out that door. And at that moment in time, taking the time to sit there and go, what am I feeling? Why do I feel this pull right now to go act out? Why do I feel this draw to, you know, to, to go to that computer. And then if I'm on my game, I can surrender that and say, okay, God, I, I don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm feeling. Am I feeling anxiety? Am I feeling abandonment? Am I feeling loneliness? Am I just, you know, is my brain just so tracked into going the same directions for so many years that I'm just taking that same route? And that's one thing that I'm learning also in my program is that I can retrain my brain and um, I didn't know that was possible, but I, I can actually retrain my brain to get off the old route and get onto a new route. And, and so meditation has been very helpful for me. My wife's a little bit concerned because she goes, I haven't seen you doing your work, not, not my step work, but you know, there are things that I put in there and meditation is one of them. She goes, I haven't seen you be doing that. And, and it scares her. She's like, where are you? You know, um, and that it's a valid concern because I can feel when I'm not connected. I can feel when, when it's, you know, and so it's, it's been good. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. Uh, wow. Kelsey, sexaholic. Um, so, you know, the first time I got on the internet and did my famous Google search, um, I honestly thought I wouldn't get hooked. Um, I was like, oh, one video and I'll be done. And <laughs> two, three in the morning, I'm still on the internet, and so I was hooked right away, and, um, you know, I was away at school at the time, and 
long story short, um, a couple months later, I moved home and um, gave up my lap. Well, I didn't give it willingly, <laughs> let's be honest. I uh, got my laptop taken away. And so one thing that I had to do, ask for, was password protection. Because, um, of course, I'm acting now on my parents' desktop because that's what I do. And um, so... That's something that's helped me a lot, and um, it's not always fun having to find someone home to use the computer that knows the password. And, um, you know, and even when I went back to school, I had to be very careful around my roommates and um, make sure I didn't watch where they put their laptops or whatever the situation and it wasn't until I got into this program that I started meeting other women that um, had struggled with pornography and other internet issues. And now that I have a list of women um, that, like, could relate, I'm not, like, I don't reach out to them, like, because it's been just... Um, I don't know the right word, like my history of not being able to share with other women that understand. And um, so, of course, slowly but surely, uh, within the last month, I found out all the passwords in my house. And (laughs) um, my family doesn't know. And um, I keep giving myself a deadline of, okay, by this day I'm going to come clean and be like, you need to change the passwords. But the fear is kicking in of the and the dying question of, well, did you relapse? Did you act out? And, of course, I don't want to be honest and say, well, yes, you know. And, um... I didn't get a smartphone until a year and a half ago. That's a whole nother story, bitterness and everything. And um, the deal was I had to find protection on four, four smartphones before they were willing to let me buy a smartphone. And um, to the grace of God, I haven't been able to act out on my phone And, um, so I just need to share that and be honest with you guys that I'm going to make a commitment and stay true (laughs) to it by tomorrow, my home group, I'm going to come clean with my parents and ask them, you know, to reset my safety guidelines. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Kelsey. Thank you. Hi, Paul Sexaholic. Um, I actually do when, I do know when the internet started for me. Um, it's very clear in my mind. Um, 1997, I'm in my dorm room. I don't have my own computer and I'm just gone on my roommate's computer. And I'm amazed, um, at what's out there. Um, I, 
I'm here because I have a problem with internet pornography. Always have um, since then. And what I noticed um, more recently is that uh, it's interesting that I always thought it was in my head. Um, and I realized that there's a physical aspect to this, not just in the brain, but, um, you know, it's a progressive disease. I'm learning that. And um, what was once just pure curiosity, interest, and, you know, obsession is now when I'm at, when I'm about to act out, I start to tremble physically. Um, I've got like, you know, what I, what I think is only in the realm of, of pure substances. Um, but I'm starting to shake and, um, yeah, it's, it's physical. Um, duh, but it, it's, it is physical. Um, separate thought. Um, I'm fairly new to the program and, one thing that was very insightful to me that I can't remember who, who said this, but um, they were talking about the lengths they will go to not only uh, find something, that perfect thing on the Internet, and then hide it, um, which I totally relate to. Um, I'll move mountains to find it. Um, am I willing to do that much work? For my ongoing sobriety, no, <laughs> not today. Um, but yeah, I will stop at nothing to to get it. Um, and it was it was a challenge to me that um, I could possibly redirect that drive to um, to maintain sanity. Um, so that's very helpful for me. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Paul. Anthony, sit solid. Um, it's been less than a lifetime uh, struggle for me, and so for me, the the areas of problem were you know, magazines. And then to videos and eventually the internet. And I've never been what I consider computer savvy terribly or having the latest and greatest in technology. So it's internet initially the slow DSL and all that stuff, uh, wasn't always uh, ideal, um, cause of the limited time I had when my wife wasn't around, whatever it would be. Um, and the fact that because I'm not, uh, savvy at some point, generally my wife was going to see my history. Um, so that usually was uh, problematic. Uh, and I've wise enough not to try to do too much at work either. Uh, so I realized the confines of that. Um, everything was good, uh, relatively so. I knew that I couldn't be very careful and couldn't do too much with the computer. Um, but, uh, and the fact is, I didn't have a smartphone for the longest time. My wife didn't really trust me to have a smartphone. And my kids had a smartphone. My wife has, everyone in the house had a smartphone except for me. Um, and I was okay with that because I knew it could be problematic. But at some point, you know, and my wife in her own recovery says she couldn't feel like the control and her issues. And she said, if you want to have one. And I felt I could handle it. And uh, two years ago, we got a smartphone. That was uh, about a year and a half. I had no problem. And so and in the last few months, I, it, I started 
finding just little things and seeing more of a urge, just see certain images. So I'm not going to porn, but I'm seeing whatever as images I could that were racy, whatever it might be. And it just more and more, and it's easy, you know, by yourself, no one's around. And that was just something that was really getting away from me. And I realized it recently, my wife was aware of this and it's been a problem now. And I'm realizing like what I should do. And, um, I know there's filters and content block that I think I probably need to, um, I didn't think I was going to need that. And my wife has some concerns about how that worked and who sees all this. And so she has some fears really to that. But now I think recently she says we need to do something and that's probably uh, what I need to do. But, uh, I'm realizing that, uh, I'm an addict and even with this, uh, phone, um, I need to put things in place and realize that can it be in denial anymore about the fact that I'm a sexaholic and that any tool I have that can allow that me to indulge that I'll probably take advantage of. So I need to set things in mind. And, and the real crazy thing about this is I'm on a phone looking at stuff. We're not using the phone for what it should be used for calling somebody. I mean, I have phone numbers in my phone about people I can call. Uh, when I struggle, I'm not doing that. I'm actually using it to get on the internet and pursue images. So I'm not working the program like I should. And that's one thing, even without content blockers or whatever. So I need to realize I'm not working my program. I need to do better about the tools that I have, the tools that have been established and take advantage of them. Um, but that's uh, where I'm at. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Anthony. Steve Saxolic. Hey, hey. First c- computer I had was a Commodore 64. Yeah. <laughs> followed by a Compaq. You could eat dinner while the picture was downloading. Yeah, exactly. And I used to sit there and try to, I was so naive on computers, I kept moving the mouse. Maybe I can drag that bar down. But I didn't. I just go eat dinner, run for a mile or two, and then come back. And then when Internet came in, Nirvana hit. I mean, when Cox Cable came into our house, oh, my God. You know, and I was off and running with Cox Cable. I have been through uh, half a dozen computer blocks, Net Nanny and all that good stuff. Probably very good for me initially, but then it became a game to break that. And that was almost more exciting than going to the pornography because I'm a, not a computer geek. And I got to, oh, my God, I got through this thing. Now what I'm seeing is worth the reward. And, uh, I mean, I went to sites that uh, were just incredible. I know today that all the stuff I kept looking at on the Internet, I go, oh, my God, why would anybody do that? Well, why did I keep going back there? And the message was, for me, if nobody would ever know, nobody would, I mean, nobody would ever know or find out. I'd probably do some of the things that I'm looking at because I'm a sex addict. And I used to go, oh, my God. Well, that might be kind of cool. And that's where my sickness took me. I played with this program. I came in 2000 for six years, playing on the Internet, convincing myself that I'm not masturbating. I'm talking to sponsees while I'm watching porn. But I haven't had an orgasm, and I'm not masturbating. 
I think I've lost my sobriety, but in hindsight, but not then, because orgasm was the name of the game. But if you look up all the definition of that stuff, it never says to orgasm. It says to satisfy oneself. It doesn't say to orgasm. And my sponsor kept pointing that out to me. He said, I'm sorry. The physical act of masturbation is masturbation. The orgasm is the two seconds reward at the end, so to speak. Don't kid yourself that, you know. But I kept kidding myself, and I got sicker and sicker. And then that takes me out to porno shops. And when I go to porno shops, I do things I shouldn't be doing in porno shops. So the other thing is, a sponsor called me up one day, and he said, and he had net nanny, and he said, I, I didn't ask your permission. I just took net nanny off. I'm not going to use it anymore. And he said, why? And he said, because of you. I said, what? He said, you're an alcoholic, right? I said, yeah. How long have you been sober at that time? 20 plus years. And he says, you got liquor in the house. I said, well, my wife, my daughter, friends, relatives. I said, yeah, the big book says that's okay. He said, have you ever had a desire to drink? And I said, no. Did you ever lock the liquor up? And I said, no. What if you put a lock on it? I said, well, the hinges are easy to take off of the cabinet. That's not a, that is not a problem. And I could take it off so fast my wife would never even know about it. And then I got to drinking mouthwash and other stuff. Finally, I took the block off. I said, what's the difference? Now, just for me. I said, it's my sobriety. The block cannot keep me sober. In fact, it's a challenge. The phone can't keep me sober. I don't care what phone I've got. You know, I can use it. Final responsibility. I'm responsible for watching porn or not watching porn, block or no block. Now, for newcomers, sometimes I say, you might want to do this for a while. But just today, there's no blocks because I'm resp- I don't drink the liquor that's in the house. I don't drink the liquor that's on that computer anymore. But it was a fight. And it was a sponsee that said, you might take a look at that. So just that's just for me. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Steve. My name is Andrew. I'm a sex addict. Uh, like some of the other people commenting. Um, I'm not a very high-tech guy, and uh, I was a sex addict before the Internet went public. Um, and uh, But with Steve Jobs making the Internet so simple that a caveman could use it, and with one button on my phone, I can figure that out, you know. Um, I, I lost my sobriety in this program. Um and, and it hasn't come back since I've been using a smartphone. And so I've, you know, I've kind of been not really that much, but I've been thinking about like what, what can I do outwardly in order to, um, kind of put some sort of roadblocks on my behavior and, you know, net nanny and things like that. Um, it certainly wouldn't hurt. Um, and I'm just so grateful to be here this weekend and to hear uh, the collective wisdom of this fellowship. Um, you know, being reminded that everything is a hard issue with us and that um, the importance of the steps and, and meditation, taking the the next um, next indicated step in any given moment is 
where my sobriety is going to come from and, and outward things. Um, you know, we have to navigate ourselves through the real world and none of us, uh, can really isolate ourselves, uh, from our demons. And, um, so anyways, I, I, uh, had wanted to come up here and talk about something else, but I'm just, uh, stream consciousness, grateful for, um, for all the shares that have been given so far in this meeting. And, and I look forward to, uh, being a better man next year as a result of applying a lot of the, the teachings. Thank you. I'm Doug, and I am a sexaholic. I didn't get cured this weekend either. I don't know. Um, my particular form of acting out is the Internet and pornography. Um, a significant amount of my work is on the Internet, has been for all of my career. So it's not like I can just say, okay, Internet, you just go away, and I'll never look at you again. I look at the Internet every day. I look at it many times a day. I spend hours on the Internet doing my job. Um, and to me, the Internet isn't the issue. The issue is my crazy mind. And the thing I have to do is do something about my crazy mind. And... For me, that starts the day with God. I am powerless over my desire to lust. I want to go look. I want to touch. I want to play. I want to wander off in those fields. And I know I shouldn't, but that's what I really want to do. And I need your help today. I need you to protect me from me because I'm the source of the problem, not the internet, not anything else. And I mean, just, uh, I don't need the internet to come up with images that I want to lust after. I mean, you know, yesterday in one of the speaker meetings, one of the speakers said something, something very innocent. And it took my mind off to an image that I remember and Oh wow, I wanted to go off and run. And to me it's, you know, when that happens, it's God, I am powerless. I really want to go there, but I shouldn't. Help me please. And the good news is he always helps me. You know, I have to be willing to say I am powerless and I need help. But if I'm willing to do that, he helps me. And, you know, I've never had a blocker on my internet. I have smartphones and iPads and portable computers and, you know, some, most of which I use for work, but a lot of which I use for, you know, personal stuff. My mother's like 94 and she just learned how to do, you know, Facebook. And so I go put pictures on there for her to look at and cartoons for her to laugh at. But, you know, that's not the thing. My crazy mind's a thing. Thanks for letting me share.
time, Jay. Sexaholic. Um, yeah, the internet. I think everyone, uh, thank everyone for their shares. Uh, the internet's just an easy access tool for fulfilling, uh, the lust. Um, it continues to be, um, I mean, I had issues like some of the others long before, long before the internet, uh, was available, let alone wireless internet on phones at a finger's touch 24 seven. Um, it continues to be something that I struggle with. I've been attending meetings for about seven months now. I almost missed coming here this morning because I was looking to give in to my lust <coughs> on the internet. So I, uh, at some point said, stop your foolishness and your madness. <coughs> You're, you spent, you know, however many hours I was here yesterday. You're aware of the issues. You're supposed to be, you know, coming here and, you know, you're, you know, if you spend another five minutes, you're going to miss the meeting. Mm -hmm. So thankfully this meeting, I guess, interrupted me looking at my, uh, seeking to fill, fill my lust in an improper way today, this morning. I appreciate that. And I think um, I appreciate all the shares this weekend that I've heard and coming down to the fact that it is the problem inside. And when the uh, urge comes to act on the lust, to utilize the tools of the program, the guidance of the program, from surrendering to God to reaching out to a sponsor or to another member, uh, and, and help, help, uh, help that to gain sobriety. So thank you. Thanks, Jerry. All righty. That is all the time we have for sharing. In Sexholics Anonymous, it is our primary purpose to stay sexually sober and to help others achieve sexual sobriety. Uh, our experience teaches us that attending meetings, working the steps, giving and receiving sponsorship are key elements in maintaining our own sobriety. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about in SA to yourself. And what we say here, let it stay here. Vasta Juan Pablo to read from Why Stop Lusting. Hello, I'm Juan Pablo, and I'm a sexaholic. Why stop lusting? Many of us came to Sexaholics Anonymous, driven to total despair by our destructive sexual thoughts and behaviors. Within the meetings, within the meeting rooms of SA, we discovered, to our surprise, that lust was the driven force behind our acting out. Sexual lust is an inordinate thought or feeling that drives us to to use ourselves, others, or things for self-centered, destructive purposes. 
the spiritual sickness of lust, wants sexual stimulation at the moment instead of what a higher power or God of our understanding is offering us. Later, we come to see that lust wants anything other than what is offered us each moment. At first, it was hard to believe. As we began to accept this fact, we wondered how could we could we could live without lust. It became clear that we had to give up. Yet we doubted that life without lust was possible. In this fellowship of SA, we met people who had found a way to stop their, destru- their destructive sexual behaviors. That that too was unbelievable. Yet, by their honesty and shining faces, we knew it was true. They had the answer we desperately wanted. Thank you. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.